Hello everyone, Dr. Alan Mishra here with another edition of the Vitality Explorer News Podcast. Our goal, our mission, our purpose with the podcast is to enhance your vitality. So I hope anyone and everyone listening today has some component of their physical, mental, social, and or spiritual well-being improved. We'd like to start off with a quote, and this one is from Aristotle. Here it is, quote, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act but a habit. Interesting, right? We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. All right. So that's something I've really tried to take uh, to heart for a long period of time. And especially with regard to this podcast and the Vitality Explorer News Substack site, I try to consistently produce material that is based in science. And this week we're going to we're going to talk about three things that are very important. Uh, number one is three ways to add meaning to your life. Number two is four ways to reduce inflammation. And the final is something that's paramount to our physical, mental, and even social well-being is sleep is a powerful weapon for our brains. So um, again, what we're trying to do here with the Vitality Explorer News podcast is just to help you, help all of us. Uh, and as we continue on our spectrum of exploring vitality, let's let's take a sort of a deep dive into meaning. This is really important to our vitality. And I think we know that having meaning in our lives is crucial. But searching for meaning is really, I think it could be a brutally difficult task. And meaning and purpose are a little bit connected, but let's just start with that, asking this question of what really does meaning mean? <laughs> a little meta here, right? Uh, and I think it's a really deep philosophical question that requires us to define what we are, who we are. It requires us to find value in our actions. And this is the diff most difficult one. It demands that we find significance in our lives. All right. And I think I get confused by the difference between meaning and purpose. So I had to spend a little time trying to research what the difference between meaning and purpose is. And here's just one thing I found. Um, meaning refers to what is meant or conveyed by an action, word, or concept. And purpose is the reason for which we do something or is the, you know, the, the so meaning really implies action. Purpose is the reason behind that action. And you can, you can look at the Vitality Explorer new Substack site on, uh, online if you want to review the scientific references for this. You can also sign up at vitalityexplorers.com to receive a free text message newsletter each week. Uh, that it has the links to these articles in this podcast. So I think it's important to add meaning to our life because it's the pathway to purpose. But one of the questions that I ask my students, and I also ask myself when we're trying to pursue meaning, is a very difficult one. And that is, what are you willing to suffer for? Think about that for a second. Because we all suffer at some point in our lives, and understanding that suffering can add value can help us endure that suffering. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a second. But here are the three specific ways that I think we can add meaning to our lives. Number one, believe in something bigger than yourself. Number two, foster resilience. And number three is to cultivate closeness. Uh, belief in, in something bigger than yourself is my definition of spirituality. That can be connected to religion. It doesn't have to be. But it means, I think, to be useful usefully and unselfishly engaged in the service of others. Let me say that again. I think believing in something bigger than yourself, we should be pursuing something that we're good at 
and unselfishly engaging in helping others. Um, so I think the key, key component of this is to get yourself out of the way and help others in need. And so this is tough. Okay. And I'm not saying I'm good at this. I'm saying this is something I learn and relearn every day, but stop. I need to stop thinking about how to optimize my life and start thinking about how to optimize the lives of other people. All right. So I think that's a very important component. Believing in something bigger than yourself can add significant meaning to your life. The second is sort of connected to the first, and it's certainly connected to that question of what are you willing to suffer for? And that is resilience adds meaning to your life. And I think if we take a look at Viktor Frankl, which we've done before on Vitality Explorer News, but I think it's really important to, to follow and relearn this lesson. And again, Viktor Frankl was a, a psychologist. He suffered in concentration camps in, in World War II. And he realized that resilience isn't just about surviving the suffering that you are enduring. Resilience is about shifting your mindset about that suffering. Um, and in, when he was in the concentration camps, he had an epiphany. He had this idea. He reframed the bad, the horrific situation he was in into the larger context uh, of, that made the suffering bearable. And, and, and I encourage people to read his book, Man's Search for Meaning. It sold over 12 million copies. It's, it's really a transformative book that I've read and reread. But what he realized is that when he was suffering, he would be later better able to, to, uh, to help people who had been, been through terrible things. What, a, what an incredible thing to think about when you're in the middle of that. And the final one about how to find meaning. Remember, number one is to believe in something bigger than yourself. Number two is to uh, add resilience to your life or to you know, you know, look more in terms of trying to foster a sense of re resilience or find a reason for your suffering. But the third one is to cultivate uh, closeness. And when we cultivate closeness, what we're trying to do is become more connected to our friends, family, and colleagues. But too often we discount the value of those social connections. This is just flat out wrong. Um, we really need to think of developing closeness as a skill. Uh, and, and there's a lot of things that we've you know, talked about on Vitality Explorers, but one of the ones is just to reconnect with your friends as much as you possibly can, even if it's just texting three of them quickly and saying, hello, how are you doing? Um, now, I think as we always try to do on Vitality Explorers, we'd like to review a paper. And, and, he, and you know, one of the things that was pretty interesting is this is a study of 925 participants. They were from Norway uh, and they were trying to figure out how to enhance meaning. And so relationships of sources of meaning and resilience with meaningfulness and satisfaction in your life was the name of the study. Again, you can find the reference on the Vitality Explorer and use Substack site. But here are the three core findings from the paper. Quote, <coughs> excuse me, religiosity and spirituality had the strongest relationship to meaning for people. Number two, unselfish engagement with the surroundings and future generations also stood out as prom a prominent source of meaning when related to meaningfulness. And the final one, positive association, quote, positive associations were found between resilience and meaningfulness. All right. So religion, spiritual, spirituality, very important, unselfish engagement in the surroundings and future generations and resilience. So that's how I came up with those three ways because it's based on this paper. You can look at the data on that. But I think when you're thinking about 
how are you going to find meaning? You know, can, you can be a nihilist and think that there is no meaning in life, or you can search for something bigger than yourself to believe in. You can try to serve others. You can foster resilience or find a meaning for the suffering that you have, which we all have. And the final one is to remember that closeness matters. Okay. So that's the first one we're going to talk about today. Um, the second one we're going to talk about, which is absolutely important, vital to your, your well-being is, is trying to reduce your inflammation. Okay. And four natural ways to reduce inflammation is the title of the post that's on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. And we've talked about this before, but inflammation is the enemy of vitality. Right, it's associated with a whole bunch of bad stuff, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and reducing inflammation is also a key to healthy longevity, All right, because inflammation is tightly correlated with aging. There's a lot of people who are working on trying to measure the amount of inflammation in your body in a variety of different ways through your blood or you know, heart rate variability or other things, um, but it's pretty clear that you know, excess or chronic inflammation is not good for you, okay? So how do we really get rid of inflammation? Um, vital people really are, should be searching for ways to decrease their, especially their chronic inflammation. But things, drugs like naproxen or ibuprofen, also known as Aleve and Motrin, they are pharmaceutical ways to reduce inflammation, but they can have significant side effects, especially if they've taken for a long period of time. And one of our primary goals uh, with Vitality Explorers is to, is to explore uh, and evaluate non-pharmacologic ways to enhance vitality. So that's what this particular post and, and section is based on. And here are the four ways to naturally reduce your inflammation. And it's connected to that first one we talked about. Uh, and that is number one is to connect with friends to combat loneliness. Number two is to support others. Number three is to optimize your vitamin D levels. And number four is to stretch your hamstrings. And again, all four of these are based in specific scientific articles, but let's jump into the first one. Connect with friends to combat loneliness. And it's, it's pretty interesting. Loneliness is, is associated with higher inflammatory blood markers, but I think we need to kind of define what that means. What does it mean to be lonely? All right, now here's a quote from this paper that's in the Vitality Explorer Substack saying, quote, loneliness is defined as a subjective, unpleasant psychological state of feeling alone that stems from a discrepancy between desired and actual social relationships. Okay, so that's a pretty long de definition, but basically you can feel lonely if there's a gap between how much you want to be connected with people and your actual connections with other people. But it's very clear that loneliness is associated with depression, cardiovascular disease, and with something they call all-cause mortality. That's like, you know, how much you're gonna die. So loneliness is clearly not good for you, and it's also connected to inflammation. So in this paper, they looked at something called CRP, C-reactive protein is a very validated measurement of blood inflammation. Um, and, and what they found is that people who are um, here's the quote. We observe, quote, we observe significant associations between loneliness measures and CRP controlling for age, race, BMI, and depressive symptoms. So loneliness really does seem to be correlated tightly with increased inflammation. So connecting with your friends is really important. Um, you can do that, like we talked about before, uh, via text. Scheduling it into your, into your week, I think, is important. Don't put it in on the periphery when you, when you have time. Make time to be with your friends or your family. Go for a walk. Go for a hike. Um, and, and you can also 
um, you know, think about the idea of supporting others in that context, because it's clear that serving people uh, is very valuable. And a study of over a thousand people identified a fascinating, uh, you know, component of vitality associated with supporting others with a decrease something called IL-6, which is another measurement of inflammation. And here's a quote from a, a different paper. Quote, the current study examined whether support giving moder- moder- moderates, uh, moderates the associations between social relationships and systemic inflammation and the primary results supported that hypothesis. So the perceived support in social relationships, that is with your friends, your family, your spouse, moderated the association between IL-6. Uh, and it was so fascinating to see that these papers, both of these papers strongly suggest that supporting and connecting with our friends and family can reduce our inflammation in our body. So that's really the number two way to reduce, natural way to reduce the inflammation. Number three, you might consider this natural or not completely natural, but I think it's sort of a natural thing, is to optimize your vitamin D level. Now, um, there's a lot of controversy around vitamin D and what constitutes what an optimal level is. Um, We're not going to dive too deeply into that controversy with this week's post or this week's podcast. But I think discussing a study that's critical for a lot of people is the context of vitamin D and neosterarthritis. So what was found is they looked at 124 patients with mild to moderate bilateral knee arthritis versus 65 healthy controls. And here's what they found is a whole bunch of um, inflammatory markers correlated with vitamin D levels, okay? And they found that if your vitamin D levels were around 42 versus 19, there was a lot less inflammation. So again, we don't know about maybe 30 versus 19 or 50 versus 19, but in this particular study, being a little bit above 40 seemed to be better than 20 in terms of your overall systemic inflammation. And, and I think the data was pretty powerful. Uh, to suggest that a vitamin D level of around 40 is better for knee osteoarthritis patients than 20. Now, obviously, check with your own physicians about this. Make sure you you, uh, get your blood levels checked before engaging in any sort of significant supplementation. But I think vitamin D levels and supplementing it, which is very cheap and very safe as a way of maybe one of the best practices you can do for especially if you have something like knee osteoarthritis. And speaking of that, the fourth one is also connected to that, and that is stretch. In a previous post, we talked about how stretching can help fight cancer, but that is a really interesting thing because it was connected to decreasing inflammation. And stretching is a massively underappreciated vitality enhancer. It can definitely improve your you know, flexibility. It can decrease your risk of a musculoskeletal injury uh, because it decreases the tension in your muscle Um, But did you know things like yoga and Tai Chi, um, if you practice those consistently, reduce the pro-inflammatory markers in your bodies? Um, They can also increase different proteins that can help um, prevent hardening out of the arteries. And this is, they went down to a really specific pathway in one of these papers where they talked about it. It's called NF-kappa-beta. You don't have to get into all the biology and molecular biology of it. But essentially what they found is that when you were stretching, You are decreasing the machinery within your cells that leads to chronic inflammation. 
So it's, it's pretty interesting. And I, I recommend for my knee osteoarthritis patients or for almost anybody is stretching your hamstrings five minutes a day, two minutes in the morning or two to three minutes in the, and two to three minutes in the evening leads to significant improvement in flexibility and, and interestingly may reduce your overall systemic inflammation. So here again are the four ways to naturally reduce your inflammation. Number one, connect with friends to combat loneliness number, or family or colleagues. Number two is to support others whenever possible. Number three is to optimize your vitamin D levels. And number four is to stretch. So we'll finish up this week's Vitality Explorer News podcast with talking about sleep as a powerful weapon for our brains. Again, you can see all the references for this on Vitality Explorers uh, on Substack online. You can also sign up for the VitalityExplorer.com uh, text message newsletter that comes to your phone every Monday morning for free. Okay, so when we when we think about sleep, um, sometimes uh, people want to stay uh, up all night and, and, and maybe pull an all nighter before a presentation if you're in business or you know before a test. But that's actually one of the worst things you can do, and so. I think the idea of poor sleep equals poor cognition and lower grades is definitive. All right. And let me, let's go through just a couple pieces of that, that evidence. When we know that sleep is essential for our, both our physical and mental well-being, but again, we, even if we study this, we, we, we can ignore it. And so, but if you want to perform well in school, at work, or, or in athletics, really getting optimal amount of sleep is important. And one of the things I talk about because it was important to me is, when I was in medical school, I didn't get a lot of time to do any sort of recreational reading, but I really enjoyed Robert Ludlum's uh, books, and especially the Jason Bourne series, which were later turned into blockbuster movies um, uh, that were that Matt Damon starred in. So in the movies, they don't really go into this for cinematic reasons, but in the books, one of the things that was fascinating to me is Bourne had a sensei that trained him in the jungle before he went out and did all his missions and became, you know, this crazy, amazing um, operative. But the, the, the person who trained him basically said sleep is a weapon and it leads to advantages that can come from nothing else. So think about that. Think about sleep as a weapon and leading to advantages that can come from nothing else. So I know that's fictional, but I think the data actually really, really supports it. Okay. And I now view, view my sleep as sacrosanct. Absolutely important. But let's review at least one, one or two papers here. And one of them that was fascinating is <clears throat> a paper called Sleep Well to Perform Well. And the researchers evaluated medical students in New Zealand prior to the end of a year exam called the Observed Structured Clinical Examination, also known as the OSCE. This is a very similar exam to in the United States, what they would call the board examination. And here's, here's a conclusion from their study. Quote, medical students' sleep quality and duration the night before clinical assess assessment were correlated with their performance in that assessment. So sleep duration the night before the exam correlated significantly with overall scores. And this p-value was 0. To six, uh, and, and here's another quote from the paper. Quote: In addition, significantly more students obtained a borderline pass or fail had a short sleep the night before compared to the ones that obtained a distinction, and this was significant to the p-value of 0.004. So you can again see the see the um, 
data and the references on the Vitality Explorer new Substack site. But I think it's crucial for us to realize that sleep has become a big, massive problem. And when you look at the data back way back from 2004 um, to now, um, it's about like a you know 33 percent uh, of people now are reporting sleeping less than six hours. That's that's significantly up from you know just 10 to 12, 15 years ago uh, when it was 28.6. Um, but it's it's staggering to me how this has changed and that small amount of change. Well, it's really not that small amount of a change. But, you know, if, if you think about what's happening with our, our society is people are not sleeping as well. And it's really associated with a whole bunch of things that we don't want to have. Obesity, cognitive decline, dementia, heart disease, diabetes and and death. OK, so sleeping is crucial. And I think we can add to the idea that if, if you really don't sleep well, it impairs your cognition. So if you're trying to think better at work, maybe you're out of school, maybe you're not you know, worried about an exam, but if you just wanna think better at work, there was a different study where they looked at a, a mobile phone application that tested your cognitive function in a series of two minute tests. And they were randomized, the, the, the groups were randomized to uh, a group that was instructed to sleep eight or nine hours for three straight days and then um, and another one was really kept up all night. Okay, so very, very interestingly, this has not been done well because it's kind of hard to do. But because of this phone application, they were very well able to test and then show that the probability of making a math mistake was significantly higher in the sleep deprived group. And the probability of misremembering a word was also significantly higher. All right. Um, so so th there was a series of tests, all of which were worse in, in people, subjects in this study who had uh, been up all night versus sleeping. Now, again, that doesn't sound like it's a, a, a massive conclusion, but being able to do that in a scientific way and provide close to proof that staying up all night is really bad. If you want to remember a word, if you want to take a math, uh, do some math, or even if you want to figure out what the sequence is. So these are all tests of, of how well your brain is working. And so the study concluded that sleep sleep deprivation resulted in, quote, significant cognitive impairment. All right. And so um, when you're thinking about trying to figure out how well you want to perform the next day, and there's lots and lots of data, by the way, also, which we've talked about previously in terms of athletic performance. So whether it's your mental well, well-being, your physical performance, and especially your mental performance, sleep is a weapon. Um, so I, I find that, you know, people sometimes still try to discount this. They try to break the rules and say that, oh, I can get a, I can get away with sleeping less. Um, but it's pretty clear that sleep is absolutely essential to your vitality. So I hope again that you've enjoyed this week's Vitality Explorer News podcast. We've been talking about three ways to add meaning to your life, four ways to reduce uh, inflammation naturally, and then, of course, sleep as a powerful weapon for our brains. Our goal here, as always, is to enhance global vitality one person at a time. And let's, let's just return to that quote that we had at the beginning from Aristotle. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. So if you want to be excellent, just be very consistent. I think consistency is another thing that's underrated as a component of, of your vitality. If you're consistently eating well, if you're consistently exercising, if you're consistently sleeping well, all of these things add up and it doesn't have to be perfect every time, but the more consistent you are, 
the more vital you will be. Again, if you're enjoying this, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, And please share this widely with your friends and family. And until next time, I hope you have a wonderful week and get out there and dare to be vital.